Hi there, welcome to the Think Bite Size series. The fact that you've tuned in tells me that you're in search for inspiration and put simply, these episodes offer you an injection of inspiration in less than 10 minutes. Whether it's a Monday morning and you're looking for something to help kickstart your week, or maybe it's a midweek Wednesday and you need something to help push you towards the weekend, we've got you covered. Here's how it works. I've went through each episode of the main series with a fine tooth comb and picked out what I feel are the most poignant and inspirational moments. Now, of course, if after listening, you would like to hear more, you can listen to the full episode using the link in the show notes. All that's left for me to say is a thank you for tuning in and it would be great if you could be such a kind soul that would like, share, comment across all of our social media accounts or give us a follow as well, as well as leaving a review on whatever platform you're listening on right now. All of your support is greatly appreciated. If there's any episode in this podcast across all of the series that we've done so far that could be described as a kind of mixed bag of topics, this is certainly one of them. However, there is one underlying theme throughout of it. So Harry Strutt is an ex-MMA British champion fighter. He's also currently an ultra marathon running athlete, as well as someone who has just created his own little chicken farming kind of vegetable patch scenario type thing with his family. So he's, he's kind of getting into that that side of farming and, and family life where he's uh, rearing his own food and he's he's growing his own food sustainably. But what the, the thing that, that grabs me about Harry's story and everything that he's done in his life so far with all the fighting and the running and the farming is that he likes to always push beyond what others perceive to be the limits of that maybe society put on you. Maybe the, the idea that uh, something might not be what others perceive it to be. He likes to then push beyond that and constantly be testing himself and as I said, taking himself out side of his comfort zone so i am pretty sure that there is something for everyone in this episode and this 10 minutes i hope gives you a little insight into the episode itself oh yeah when you start going further down levels and you start trying to trap people knowing that they're going to move in certain ways and then like jeremy you're going to go to a choke and then they're going to give an arm up and then obviously it all starts progressing but um, i mean what what goes through your mind though if you're you know you're you're going to train and you've done all of that and then you you know you eventually get to your first game what goes through your mind before you enter the ring because surely I mean, any lay person, any normal person's thinking, he looks quite big, he looks quite tough. Is there a chance I'm going to get my head beat off? Is that, does that even come into your mindset or is it just, let's go and yeah. do this? So, my uh, mum never liked me fighting, right? So, throughout all of it, you're like, you've trained with best people, you're like, you go to peak fitness and everything like this. And like, when you enter a ring, literally, you've spent hours and hours and hours training to be the baddest person you possibly can. Best cardio, you're on form, you're fast, you're ready. I think it was like a mid-weight and I was fighting, I think there were about 1,500 people uh, in an arena in uh, Doncaster Dome. And on the morning anyway, yeah, mid-weight, I went to my mum's for whatever. And I remember all she said was, well, it's your own fault if you end up retarded with brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mum. Thanks. That's exactly what I want. The support I, I need. <laughs> yeah, because a kid that was fighting as well on um, my, my debut was uh, I think he came from an amateur boxing group like background, so we thought, well, he's going to be able to bang. So I, it's more likely that I'm going to get hit at some point. And I think it's one of the things where I can't remember what film it is. Is it Green Street with where he says, "Once you realise you're not made of glass, you like to push it as far as you can," or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's that way because you get hit all the time. It's kind of like you know it happens. Very. It, it just becomes 
um, like snow in the headlights sort of thing. But yeah, I was like, before every jujitsu fight, uh, boxing match or MMA, when I was in the changing rooms, everybody, I was just a nervous wreck. I would like go for a piss 15 times, just walking about, why am I doing this? I'm a smart guy. Why am I going to go do this? But then as soon as you went at ring, like I said, 1,500 people all around you, as soon as you went at ring, you don't care. You see that person in front of you, uh, you, you call them in, and that's late much it. You just blank out. And like I say, it's weird. Everything around it, you've not done before. You've not done like the walk preparation with all the people and the lights and the loud music and stuff. You've not done that before. So that's all like quite a surreal thing. But as soon as you actually start, like I say, the muscle memory of like um, your position and the submissions and still when somebody starts throwing punches and you start actually like grappling and things, it just, it's like second nature again. You're like, ah, I know what this is. This is what I do all time. And then it's like you start flowing and you're all good. When you're actually fighting, you're fine. I fought for a British title, um, I think it was about 2015. And it was a guy called Lloyd Gelati um, in Bradford. And I took fight. The guy that was supposed to be fighting uh, dropped out. So they needed somebody in, I think it were about five or, no, it was seven days beforehand. And I will fix, I'll get ready for a, to ideally do something else so i said yep i'll do it so i have to drop five kilogram in seven days to be able to compete at uh, welterweight to actually do it anyway when and it seemed to just be because i didn't have the long feeder to it um i felt really quite good and relaxed went in ring and it was this kid with a savagely broken nose and tattoos everywhere and i remember speaking to people afterwards were like how did you get it ring with that dude because i don't know if people are going to see this but i've got curly hair and I've got some chubby cheeks and a little button nose and I don't look like a, a, a fighter. In fact, there was a running joke when I first started where I was like 18, 19, so I was a lot chubbier. You just referred to me as the choir boy because I look so uh, innocent. Fighting this dude, fighting Lloyd for title and first round, I ended up taking a bit of a pasty and ended up on ground doing something stupid. Lost first round. Second round, we're a bit close. Third round, I remember just being in corner and I was absolutely exhausted. And my cornerman at the time, a guy called Josh Collins, he, uh, he was in front of me. And I, I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm just exhausted. And he looked at me and went, he's finished. He's finished. You can finish him now. And I remember I was just like, I looked over behind his shoulder and he, they'd brought a stool in for him to sit on and they were flapping a towel with him and everything. And if you watch video back, you can check out on YouTube. I just looked at him and uh, I remember just shaking my arms out and I'm like, this is mine, this is mine. And as soon as that point, you could see him just fade. And uh, we ended up, I think there were about 15, 20 seconds left at third round. And I got him on, uh, I went full mount and ended up just pounding him out. And I just unleashed everything I possibly had. And um, I knew it was working because his wife, fiance or whatever, was stood at side at ring. And as I upped my pace, I just heard a screaming, no, no, no. And uh, he had to stop fighting the one. Oh, so you've almost used that. The, the visual of the chair and the toil is an extra motivation to say, well, I have this. Obviously, with the corner man's motivation as well. That's it. I was completely broken. It was literally when he said it, you've got this, he's done. It's like, just up it and you've won. Because um, yeah. literally, I was, I was the underdog. I went into that fight as, ah, this last minute guy is going to fill a space. And I just thought, ah, this is an awful opportunity. I can get like um, a title shot straight away. If I lose, it don't really matter. I've come in late notice and I've lost. There's no real expectation on me. So I think there were a lot of pressure gone. Yeah, and after, after the fight, though, was was there more fights to happen or, or to come that you then did feel the pressure or was it always that kind of just let's go and enjoy it? 
Oh, no, I, I felt pressure on everything. Like I say, I think it's just, well, you can get hurt, can't you? That's, um, and then there were a couple of fights towards end, which that was the reason I just thought, yeah, this is it, this isn't going to work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Was that heavy defeats or was it heavy injuries or? A bit of both. Um, so the reason I started running, which we'll go on to afterwards, after that fight, uh, I was inspiring, and I probably should have taken longer off or whatever, but uh, I was inspiring and ended up taking a bad fall. So we are doing some takedown stuff, um, ended up getting dropped on my shoulder, and I dislocated my collarbone and ended up damaging some ligaments and things. And it just took a long time. And it was, that way, it was my left shoulder, so I'm an orthodox fighter, so it's my jab. I ended up just... I ended up getting some cortisone injections to try and take all the swelling down rather than actually fix it and I ended up jumping to a fight again afterwards, which were a bad idea. I should have just cancelled the fight and then just had the time off to recover properly and then come back at it. Anyway, I ended up taking fight. Turns out kid were ridiculously good and very, very fast hands. I got my face smashed in. Uh, that were, I lost the title that I won the previous one. Um, a guy called Jai Herbert, who um, is actually at UFC now, uh, I'm running uh, 250 kilometers in Kenya uh, for uh, for Rangers Ultra, which is pretty awesome, really. So yeah, it's a five day ultra marathon through desert in Kenya. So it's five different uh, conservations. Now, obviously, the fitness side of it's a massive thing, but you've got to carry all your own kit as well. So it means that you've got a backpack with all your stuff on. So I've got spreadsheets and spreadsheets of all the different kit that I'm going to need, and then you think how much it's actually going to weigh. Because it's when you start cutting your toothbrush and cutting labels out of stuff to make sure that your light is possibly can. Then I've worked out multiple calculations about how much previous marathons and runs and things like that I've done, how many calories I burn per minute or per hour, how long I can expect each stage to be, and how much fuel is going to be required and how much I'm going to burn. But then how much recovery uh, fuel I'm going to need, how much does that weigh? All that sort of thing, I actually like. I, 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 I geek out about it a bit and think, oh, yeah. And then we can do that and then see it succeed. It's just like... There's part of that, which I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of, of the work of the psychologist Carl Dweck on mindsets, growth and fixed mindsets. You may no. or may not have come across it. So she pretty much says that there's two types of mindsets that we carry around with ourselves, a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Fixed mindset in a very, very simple, simplistic term is I get to a level... That's the level I'm at. I'm not going to get any better. Glass ceiling in many ways, right? Whereas the growth mindset gets that glass ceiling and can see through it, can see what's next and can see what's, what's, what's achievable. But the, the, the thing about a growth mindset is that the process in order to get to where you want to go is actually the most engrossing part of it. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear the full episode, you can, of course, head to the show notes and you'll find a link there. We'll see you again next week.